Welcome, everyone, to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and as always, I'm joined today by my good friend and gambling guru, Chad Ford. Chad, how are we doing this morning, bud? Oh, we're hanging in there, man. Just another glorious start to the week. Another day in paradise, brother. And so we got a lot to talk about this week from a sports gambling perspective. We got Major League Baseball playoffs. We got NBA finals. We got uh, insanity in the college football world. But uh, uh, lots to talk about and, and looking forward to, uh, to getting going with you here, brother. Uh, but, but as always, man, before we get going, you know, it's important that we show some love to our sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar, which obviously you, you love that place and know a lot about that place, Chad. But uh, Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Chad, Ben, and his entire team over at Chalk do an amazing job, and our listeners can follow them all on the web at chalkokc.com or on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Again, in my humble opinion, it's the closest thing to a Vegas sports book you're going to find in Oklahoma, and the food just can't be beat. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, Chad, before we get to NBA Finals and Major League Baseball playoffs and all the other crazy stuff that happened, we, we had a fun night uh, in, uh, I guess, a kind of an abrupt night to a certain degree on the UFC, which is kind of our main topic from a betting standpoint last week. And, brother, I couldn't have been more wrong. So uh, Israel Adesanya <laughs> is still really good. And, uh, and, and Jan Blachowicz in the uh, the undercard, uh, kind of a big upset there over uh, Dominic Reyes as well. But uh, your, your thoughts on the UFC fights, Chad, uh, you know, takeaways from, from that big pay-per-view on a Saturday night. Absolutely, man. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I didn't think anybody foresaw Adesanya just taking care of Costa. I mean, Costa had never really been, um, I, I guess, challenged in any of his fights. He was undefeated up until this point, and it never looked like Adesanya was in any trouble whatsoever. You saw um, Costa kind of doing a little showboating, almost like he was Anderson Silva-like or Conor McGregor-like, but Adesanya just set back and just picked his punches here and there and then attacked when he needed to. Um, it was, it was a sublime performance and I'm just sitting there going, who's going to challenge this guy in the middleweight division now? Yeah, he, he looks like he was at the top of his game for sure. You know, come out yeah. uh, early with, with the leg kicks, right? And so really kind of kept Costa at bay. And, and as you mentioned, you know, that was kind of the first time, at least in the few fights that I've seen from Paulo Costa, that, that he's been, he looked tentative, right? I mean, he looked he looked yeah. hesitant as to like, hey, how, how am I going to attack this guy? And, and their, 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 their team in the preview kind of leading up to the fight, you know, was talking about preaching patience, preaching you know, patience and, 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 and I guess maybe he was a little too patient, but you know, Adesanya has that, has that effect on fighters for sure. But yeah, just a, just a master class from a technical fighting uh, standpoint from, from Adesanya. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, he is, he is clearly head and shoulders above the rest of that entire weight division right now. And so inevitably the question is at what point does he, does he may, maybe move up in a class? Right. So, but, um, yeah, if you're talking about going to like a super fight to where he fights like a super light or not a super light heavyweight, but a light heavyweight um, up there, man, that that would be a fun card, you know, obviously to kind of see him kind of challenge the guys that are in the same division as the John Bonds Jones and 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 things of that nature. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. He'll, he'll probably follow the money. He's a good draw. Uh, he's entertaining to watch. And he, again, he kind of looks like a dude kind of off the street. He's not overly giant. He he doesn't look like he uses steroids at all. He's just a he's just a fighter, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's got a frame that I think he could easily move up to that two hundred five weight class yeah. if he wanted to. And, and and again, maybe maybe that's not. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. He wants to stay at the uh, uh, middleweight division and kind of cement himself as one of the all time greats there. And he's yeah. not far away from it, man. So a couple more big title fight wins. And you know, I think the report came out uh, earlier this week, and maybe maybe even yesterday that you know he's hoping to fight one more time before the end of the year. And so I'm sure uh, uh, Dana White will do uh, everything he can to accommodate him on that regard yeah. because he's a big draw. People. People like to uh, to watch them, but you know, talking about that two hundred five weight weight class, Chad, I was way off on this one as well, and I think a lot a lot of folks were, uh, given that uh, he was a big underdog. Yeah. But uh, uh, Blockowitz, I mean, he looked good in that fight, and again, you know, Reyes looked kind of tentative, and and, and and you know, Blockowitz has big heavy hands, right? So big punches, and, yeah. and that that fight ended in a second round TKO, TKO as as did uh, Adesanya and Costa as well. But you know, were, were we sleeping on on, on Big Yon? I, I think I think maybe we were, but uh, he he had an impressive performance as well. 
He really did, and I'm I'm with you. I I expected Reyes to come out and put take the fight to him, especially after the fight he fought against John Jones. Yeah, looked great. Uh, roughly fight. six months, six nine months ago, before the pandemic hit, he did look great. And so I I was a little taken off by this one, but I guess it shows you the class and the um, the breath that the light heavyweight um, division kind of has out here. Uh, something I wouldn't expect, but I mean, you're talking about this possibly Anasanya Blakovic uh, type type fight to unify the belts. Um, So, you know, it could be interesting, but uh, I think, I think from a standpoint of, of Blokovic and the heavyweight, the light heavyweight division, it's kind of at a standstill right now because I can't name two or three more after John Jones left. Um, You're, you're going to have, everyone's going up into these super heavyweight fights. Um, you know, now with Daniel Cormier, Mia Chich, John Bon Jones, like those, those are the marquee fighters there. And I think light heavyweight is, it's kind of on a a downswing for the time being. Yeah. It's an interesting observation because, you know, UFC for the longest time, you know, Dana White had had been a, Hey, we're going to put the two best fighters in the ring and that's the fight we're going to give everybody. But now Um, you you do kind of get that feel kind of like boxing, like they are picking mega fights, right? What are are the big fights that are going to draw the money? And it's a business, right? So I can't, can't really argue with those guys on that and we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the rumblings from a boxing standpoint that uh, popped up in news uh, uh, earlier this week as well but uh, you know I, it was those two picks were awful by me but I will save myself on, on this one Chad my guy Brandon yeah. Roy Val I did get that yeah. I, I, I picked Roy him Val I had there, man. yeah I picked him uh, to win by submission so I, I think I was getting about plus plus 300 on that give or take so it ended up being uh, an almost a net wash uh, for me Saturday night from from a gambling standpoint but Roy Val uh, uh, bailed me out and that was a great fight uh, in the undercard there yeah with uh, uh, Kai Kara France. And, and so uh, he, he made me look good, but uh, the rest of the picks, not so hot. So, but, uh, well, well, Chad, I, I think probably the, the the biggest news, and certainly from you and I's perspective, uh, is that of NBA Finals, man. So we're there. Yeah. Uh, game one kicks off later tonight. Uh, you're Miami Heat uh, taking on the uh, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Going to be an interesting series, man. Obviously, you think about the two best players in the series, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but then players three through seven, three through eight are probably all on the Heat squad, if I had to guess. But you've been on the Heat since day one when the playoffs began, Chad. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you here. You know, convince us. Tell us why the Heat are going to finish this thing off. Now, obviously, the Lakers are a little bit of a favorite uh, going into the series and then a favorite tonight. I think they're a four-point favorite tonight in game one. But uh, talk to us about the Heat and your thoughts on the NBA Finals. Yeah, so – just to start off, I mean, I, I think last time, uh, you know, we we characterized this as tenacity versus talent on Miami versus Boston. Um, Boston has all the talent in the world. They just they just didn't want it as much. You know, Miami came out and stuck it to them. In this one, I look at I look at more, uh, you know, age versus youth on this one. Um, you know, the Lakers come in, and that's how LeBron James has always put his uh, teams together. It's not really a mix of use. They don't really play too many rookies. It's all, all these veterans that uh, are coming together for the greater good, so to speak. Um, I think that I think the youngest player on probably the Lakers roster is probably, probably Kyle Kuzma yeah. um, at this point. Kyle Kuzma, um, yeah, uh, he's right up there probably in his early 20s. As it is, but you look at the Heat. They they are young, athletic. They can move where they need to move. I mean, Abadayo, um, Hero, Goran Dragic is a great veteran leader. Jimmy Buckets is still pretty young. People don't realize that he's probably only in the seventh year of his NBA career. To where Le- LeBron James, he's in his sixteenth, seventeenth year at the moment. He's got some miles on the tires. Um, I expect this to be one to where it, it, I think it's going to kind of be a chess match. I, I do think Eric Spolstra is the better coach in the series. Um, I think Frank Vogel's got more talent. I think you'll see. I think you'll you'll see a team in the Heat that's going to get a lot of credit for playing hard and playing smart under Spolstra. And I think he may get his where his credit is due now. Um, if everybody remembers when LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade were all playing on that team. Nobody kind of gave him his due. He just said, oh, you just sat back and let it happen. And it's kind of, eh, it's not really the case. You got to manage all those egos. But I, I do think it is a competitive series. Um, I Just on the betting side, I did take the heat before they started, um, everybody started jumping on that bandwagon. I think uh, Vegas, had, their first lines they put out, they had the Lakers minus 400 and they had the Heat plus about 360, 380 on the series price. Um, I ended up jumping on Miami at about 300 
on the series price just because I think it's a good – I think one out of three times the Heat are going to win. Um, and it might be destiny this year, just like it might have been destiny last year for the Raptors. Um, I, I don't want to bet against LeBron James, but at the end of the day, his series price just isn't worth it to me. Uh, four, four points tonight. I expect the Lakers to come out and get the first game. Um, and then I think it's just going to be a knockdown drag out um, fight from here on out. And it'll be interesting to see how the two coaches interact. I think if you see one team get up by 15, 20 points, you might start seeing the old Popovich mentality of let's go ahead and just take the starters off the court and like, let's just play a mop up game the rest of the way. We'll, we'll sacrifice this game, not expend our energy trying to come back. Yeah, preserve preserve the energy in a game that uh, you know is probably out of reach for sure. And, and I'm with yeah. you. I like the Lakers tonight to win game one for sure. And, and most experts, like you said, they expect it to be a competitive series. Um, I think most people are picking a six or seven game series for sure. Uh, again, as you mentioned, you know, Lakers Lakers are a favorite here going into this one, and understandably so with having LeBron um, and Anthony Davis and, and how those guys kind of performed uh, throughout the Western Conference uh, yeah. playoffs as well. But yeah, I mean, this Heat team they just they have they have a feel about them, Chad. And I don't know yeah. if you go back. They have to, a fight. <laughs> yeah, you think back to that, you know, that Pistons team, you know, uh, that, yeah. that kind of upset that that mega team that the Lakers had, you know, uh, what oh, damn near twenty years ago now, I guess. Yeah, right? Chauncey early, Billups early, and early two. I mean, kind of the same yeah. thing, right? They had a big and Rasheed Wallace or Ben Wallace. They had uh, Chauncey Billups. Just a he wasn't an All Star or All NBA by that time. He just, you know, he he commanded the offense. And then uh, they had Rip Hamilton that just got you a bucket. Um, and I think the Heat are kind of similarly. Uh, stacked in that regard. They have athletic guards at position that can guard and knock down shots. And, hey, it's going to be one of those if if you can't, you know, if you can't win the turnover battle and you can't hit the win the free throw battle, I think it's going to be a knockdown drag out fight. Yeah, I think a big part of it too will be can the, the Miami Heat bench, those guys that have been coming off the yeah. bench, can they keep that momentum going now Ooh. that, you know, the spot, it's not hard to say that the spotlight hasn't been on them going throughout yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals, but but now they're going to be under a microscope for sure. Yeah. And as you said, you know, the chess match that a seven-game series in NBA Finals kind of evolves into punch, counterpunch, and can can those guys, you know, your Tyler heroes, and uh, can yeah. they keep that momentum going and keep performing at such a high level? And if they can, then I think the Heat have every chance to to win this series for sure but uh, but yeah i mean uh, overcoming uh, LeBron and AD is going to be a challenge for sure. And uh, lo- looking forward to that. I'm excited about that game tonight and uh, certainly we'll be watching that one. But, um, well, well, Chad, you know, let's, let's, let's talk Major League Baseball playoffs, right? And so we had, had yep. the, the American League uh, kicked off yesterday. So, so we're a little bit late on that uh, in regards to talking about it. But I'm kind of excited about this new format, man. You have eight teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a strict uh, or, or kind of a you know your typical tournament setup here. You know, one seed versus eight seed. Um, you know, NL series kickoff today. Uh, but you know, from a betting standpoint, Chad, is there is there any reason to bet on a team outside of the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? And I know you know they're a big favorite going into this yep. thing for sure, and they've had their issues in the playoffs in the past. But is, is this the year that the Dodgers kind of get that monkey off their back and, and kind of uh, fulfill that potential in the millions upon hundreds of millions of dollars that they've spent uh, acquiring all this talent? But uh, your your thoughts on Major League Baseball playoffs kicking off this week, bud? I thought the Dodgers probably got the worst draw they could have got in seeding, honestly, because you're going to have to go in and what I would expect to play the Padres in a series in your second round matchup, which the Padres have shown to give them trouble. And when you're talking three and five game series, which is what these are going to be in the first couple rounds, I think anybody can come out and win. And we've all known the Dodgers have had pitching issues uh, that they've been able to overcome with their bats. But, you know, San Diego has a lineup that can compete with you and they're younger and they have a belief in them. You know, they, they, they weren't supposed to be here this fast. Well, that's a, that's a scary subject to broach and maybe they are too young, but usually in baseball youth doesn't really matter. We saw Juan Soto take the nationals uh, last year and just kind of run through it. And he's 21 years old at that point. So I expect kind of Tatis to put, the Padres on his back, and I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, and even if you get past that potential second-round matchup, you're still going to end with either the Cubs or the Braves. Uh, other, other, um, two other teams that have big bats in the lineup, um, and that's what you're most susceptible to as the Dodgers is pitching and bats right now. Um, 
I, I would think betting someone coming out of the AL, I don't think you're going to get beat up as bad. I, I actually have in my bracket, I have uh, the Yankees playing the White Sox in the American League Championship Series. Um, I think the Yankees are going to get hot with their bats and it's going to be impossible to stop them. Um, I think the only team that has a shot at stopping them is, is the Rays, and I think they just run out of steam. And then um, I think the White Sox, again, they're just like the Padres. They're young, hungry, uh, led by Luis Roberts, uh, Jose Abreu. I think they can come out. Um, they've got a young stud in Giolito that I think they can They think beat anybody in a series. So um, I expect that. And then I expect the Padres and the Braves to come out on the other side. And I think it'll be one of those four. Uh, the feel-good story to me would be Padres, White Sox, with all the young talent on each side. They've, they basically had the best farm systems the past couple of years. So yeah. I'd, I'd like that. But, you know, a Yankees-Braves would be a more traditional Turner Broadcast Sports uh, matchup. Cool. Yeah, yeah. From our, our era growing up, right? So yeah. early 90s, late 80s and stuff. So, no, I, I'm with you. I think, I think the baseball purists are probably rooting for a, a Padres and White Sox, a World Series, just because of those, uh, you know, like I said, that young talent and kind of, you know, yep. working the system, right? So bringing those guys up uh, through through the farm system for sure. And and I'm with you. So my, my AL picks, I had it um, Yankees and Twins in the ALCS yep. uh, coming out of that. And, and which, you know, Houston won game one against the Twins yesterday. Yeah. So, so the, the Twins are, are now in, in must win. Like I said, those short series, I, man, puts a lot of pressure yeah. on game one. Three games. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. That first mm-hmm. that first game's tough, but I, I like the Yankees uh, coming out of AL uh, uh, as well, uh, just because like you know the lineup, right? Yep. So I, I think they're, they're they've got a bunch of professionals in there and, and guys that have kind of you know I don't, I don't think that they'll wilt under the pressure. In, in Tampa Bay, uh, to a certain degree, has kind of kind of come out of nowhere to us. You know, I, yep. I mean, I don't think most folks had them being the best team in the AL uh, this year in the preseason picks, and it's a goofy year, right? Obviously, an yeah, abbreviated totally. season, but uh, I'm with you. The the series that I think most folks are pointing towards assuming that it works out is that uh, NLDS between Dodgers and Padres, right? And so kind of yeah. a, a goofy nuance of the seeding, right? So the three division winners got the top three seeds. If we, you know, NBA, you know, you used to do that as well, or, you know, with the, with the uh, division winners getting the top three seeds. And then, uh, but, but the Padres were pretty much the second best team uh, in the, in the yeah. NL uh, all season long. And so, and, and again, those series between them and the Dodgers have, have been super competitive. And, and as you mentioned, they've given the Dodgers uh, some trouble. And so I, I think that one's going to be a lot of fun um, in the NL side, but uh, you know, I, I went with the chalk there. I had it. I had it. Dodgers yep. Yankees uh, again, which was probably you know Major League Baseball wouldn't be too butthurt if that's the series as it turns out because of the uh, the markets there and the uh, the superstars on both sides. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I think that uh, that Dodgers Padres NLDS is going to be a ton of fun to watch, and I'm hoping yeah. we get it. I'm hoping both those teams get out of the first round. <laughs> I do too. Give that ten to o'clock us. start yeah. games. One o'clock oh, yeah. in the morning here. We'll yeah. be watching. Yeah, yeah. The late late starts out on the West Coast, uh, and, and, I, and I guess you know the the first series are, are obviously be you know in the in the higher seeded teams that, that's going yep. on right now. And then you know we talked about kind of their their bubble system that uh, uh, Major League Baseball is going to shift to a few weeks ago uh, in one of our earlier pods to where I think the uh, AL is going to be focused in California, I believe, LA and San Diego, and then the NL will be focused in Texas between Houston and um, and the new ballpark there in Arlington, and then obviously yep. uh, World Series this year will be in that new ballpark in Arlington. And again, does that does that give the NL a little bit of an advantage, given that one of those teams are you know p- quite possibly could could play all of their series in that uh, new ballpark there in Arlington? So we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, that kind of pans out, but. You know, the, the next topic that we got, Chad, was, you know, obviously near and dear to our hearts, but uh, college football. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, big news that kind of popped right after we recorded the pod last week is that we have college football across the board. All 10 conferences are going to be playing now, Chad. And so we get yeah. uh, the Pac-12, uh, the Mountain West, and the MAC have all decided to come on board after, you know, the week before the Big Ten kind of made their decision to come back. And so kind of a variety of schedules, right? So some, some you know, somewhere between a six and eight game schedule, given that they are going to have a later start, uh, you know, in, in late October and even early November. And so an abbreviated schedule there. Um, and so excited to have that back on board and see how that factors into the, the playoff discussion and the bowl bowl scene as we get closer towards the end of the season. But 
I guess the biggest news from college football were were the big upsets, Chad. And so my yeah. my Oklahoma Sooners fell fell uh, uh, prey to uh, the Kansas State yet again, and uh, made made me look silly from a pick standpoint uh, this past week. Um, LSU goes down to Mississippi State, and Mike Leach is a new uh, air raid offense in the SEC. And then your Longhorns narrowly avoid uh, the big upset out in West in, in Lubbock. But you know your your thoughts on some of these wild games from college football this past weekend, Chad. Well, I think we're seeing just how much parity there's going to be this year. Um, I, you know, it, it's weird because we all sit there and think now, like, oh, eight, nine game schedule. There's going to be like ten undefeated teams and all that good stuff. There may not be an undefeated team. You know, with with different practice schedules. I mean, you have no idea what's going on in these twenty two year old lives. I know they're they're trying to live out some sense of normalcy, and for the most part, they're not letting anything affect them. But when you start talking about like they've got to go to virtual class. There's not like a mess hall for them to go to. There's not, you know, just, hey, there's some party on Wednesday night on campus corner. Like, it it, it affects their lives. And you you don't know how much it's going to affect their life, but it it certainly affects their life. Um, they're all playing right now as, as if they're glorified scrimmages for the next level. Um, at this point, I think there's legitimately probably only – you know, six to eight teams that realistically have a shot at getting into the playoff. And I think this is the one year you're not going to have bowls, right? It's not like we're going to have the Shreveport potato chip bowl or anything like that. Like, I I just don't see how they're going to pull it off, especially when it's, we start getting into flu season of December and January as it is like, I just don't see who's, who's going to call it and say, yeah, we can make this happen with 5,000 fans in the stands. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I imagine something come pops up from television coverage and, you know, they put a couple marquee games on, but I think this would the year is where I'd sit there and I'd let the, the schools kind of negotiate who they want to play and what they want to do. I mean, I think that would be a fun thing as if, you know, we get to the end of this and all of a sudden, you know, call it OU wants to play LSU just because they want to play LSU. They both have two or three losses, whatever it is. And it's like, Hey, we'll just figure out a neutral site and we'll put it on. Um, yeah. True exhibition games as, as opposed to kind of yeah. slotting into old school conference ties or something. And, yeah. and sell those TV rights because we all know the the budgets are going to be so uh, affected. Um, you know, everyone's having a shortfall this year with not having full college football. So I would just say, put a game together and sell it to the television network that gives you the highest money. I mean, there's got to be a situation to where Fox sits there and goes, yeah, we'll give you $15 million uh, to put on that game. And, you know, 5 million goes to you, 5 million goes to you and 5 million into the operating budget or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think they're going to have to capitalize some way, shape or form, but I think it's going to be a year of parody. And uh, I don't think OU's out of it by any means right now. I think their arguments, you know, weakened right now, but, I also think everybody else is going to falter too. Yeah, I, I agree. Way, way too early. Again, we always overreact. And, and I say we, and yeah. we as a college football populace, I, I, I should say that, you know, oh my God, they're awful. They're terrible. Fire all the coaches. <laughs> get rid of everybody. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, Oklahoma and LSU are obviously programs that are uh, used to winning, right? They squared off in the playoff last yeah. year, and LSU thumped them and, and had a historic season. And I think you and I both in the preseason – we're on LSU to kind of have have a fallback, right? Just because of yeah. the loss of talent. But you know, I think what was surprising in that game was how how good Mississippi State looked. And, and, yeah. and you know, and there there were there were flaws there, right? So they they had a lot of turnovers, totally. um, you know. But but it was interesting. Mike Leach is a great coach. Yeah, and exciting <laughs> to see how well that that offense executed on the road. And again, it wasn't the same, uh, you know, Baton Rouge, right? So it wasn't the same Tiger Stadium right. because of the fans and stuff, but. But they lit LSU up, 623 yards passing, broken SEC record on the first try, yeah. Chad. So are, are we are we sleeping on Mississippi State, man? Should, should we kind of throw them into the mix in the SEC West? I mean, I think you throw them into the mix in a situation of it's not an easy out anymore. Um, I still don't think they're going to challenge Alabama. I don't think they're going to challenge Auburn. But it is kind of one of those things to where it, it does become they are going to trip up somebody. And I don't think it was LSU. I think they're. I think the meat and potatoes are still to come, but I think they are going to trip up someone down the road, and they're going to be a tough out. Um, I don't think home field advantage matters as much anymore. You know, the neutral. It's not a neutral site, but obviously, it kind of gets rendered that way. You're not going into, you know, Jordan Hare Stadium, and you can't hear uh, the the call or anything like that. I think it's more of. I think talent-wise, they're going to be up there, and I think Mike Leach is going to figure out how to get the most talent-wise 
out of those kids. I mean, we got to understand this is the most talented roster he's probably ever been around. Like, it's not like people are going uh, up to Washington State that are 10, 10 star recruits. Yep. People weren't doing that in Lubbock. You know, Michael Crabtree, I think, was the greatest recruit he ever had at some point. And I'm just, I sit there with what is probably an, an incredible SEC roster. I'm wondering if he didn't on the first day just start walking through the defense and being like, nope, you're gonna play offense now. Nope, you're yeah. playing off just picking apart these these defensive kids and getting them on the offensive side of the ball. You know, from from and you and I are obviously big uh, college fantasy football players as well. And and one of the thought things I thought was gonna be interesting was to see how he would take that offensive that the players and the roster that he had, which you know, Mississippi State has traditionally been kind of an old school SEC bruising, you know, rushing oh, yeah. attack. You know, the Kylan Hill, who's a stud running back for all yeah. intents and purposes and will probably be a top, you know, probably a at least a second round pick in the NFL draft next year is, Hey, how, how are you going to fit him into this passing offense? And my goodness, it works seamlessly. So I think he had a hundred, 150 something total yards or hundred. I mean, and most of that was receiving, right? So swing passes yeah. out of the backfield, will routes. He had one long, big, uh, uh touchdown, uh, reception, uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to be fun to watch. And we knew that, you know, we talked about it you know, a couple of weeks ago that Ole Miss or the state of Mississippi with Lane Kiffin coming in was going to be the epicenter of just crazy yeah. weird shit in the SEC this year. And they didn't disappoint. And even Ole Miss, they looked game uh, in their uh, uh, opening uh, weekend against Florida, put up a lot of points. And that, I think that Florida yeah. team looked really, really good. And so we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later on. We start making picks this week. But a couple of big games in the SEC in week two for sure that uh, we'll, we'll highlight here in a moment. But uh, – you know, college football, uh, the, the, it never disappoints, right? So there's always some sort oh. of crazy roller coaster every single week, uh, a news story that um, whether it's an upset or, or something wild that happens. And so uh, why why would we have expected anything less? But uh, uh, we'll um, we'll talk more about college football here here in a moment. But before we get to our picks, Chad, again, given that we, we kind of center on, on sports gambling here, um, you know, one of the news stories that broke that I thought was interesting, I flagged and wanted to get your thoughts on was a uh, report came out that Conor McGregor and Manny Pacquiao uh, are close to finalizing a boxing match uh, by the end of the year. I've heard conflicting reports sometime in late November, early December when the fight would actually take place. But, you know, obviously going to be a pay-per-view event. The, the gambling uh, on it in Vegas, uh, I'm sure, will be, be wild and stuff. But you know, I want your opinion, Chad. Do, do we care anymore, right? Do are we are we fed up with McGregor, or is this going to be something that we're going to tune in and watch? Well, obviously, we have Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. That, that's on the card in an exhibition match later on this yeah. year. I think it's November as well. But you know, should should we care about a McGregor Pacquiao boxing exhibition match by the end of the year? I personally say no, but I know there will be interest in it. Like I I sit at this and I look at it and I go, just kind of how sad is McGregor right now? Like. Does he realistically not want to get back in the UFC ring because he thinks it's going to tarnish his legacy? And if so, why are you getting in the boxing ring with a guy that is universally considered one of the top five fighters of all time? Um, I just, I I don't know. I, I have no idea. Uh, from everything I've understood about McGregor, he has plenty of money. I think he made a lot more money than people think on UFC fights. Uh, he's basically getting paid on his whiskey brand. Like I, I heard he made an astronomical amount on that. And I'm sure he's got some advisors out there that it doesn't take a, a rocket science to make money in this uh, stock market that we've got going on. So I'm sure he's made some incidents there. You know, do I know what kind of lifestyle he's living? Yeah, probably. It probably costs quite a bit to live that lifestyle and keep it up. But I don't know. I, I just, I worry about McGregor from a standpoint of if, if the American public or the world public at large are not talking about him, he finds a way to make you talk about it. He's almost like a Kardashian <laughs> of the, the MMA world, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how much longer can this, this show go, you yeah. know, at some point? Because I, I look at, I look at the Kardashians and I'm sitting there going, what's, what's the big deal here? Like, why are, why are we so infatuated with them? And I kind of look at McGregor the same thing. It's kind of like, Hey man, you were great in your prime. I loved watching you. I thought you wasted a couple years, you know, trying to do the boxing thing with Mayweather. Um, but you know, I, it's just, it's just one of those things that like, I think your time passed, you know, and it, it goes quick for a fighter, right? You turn, yeah. you know, so upper thirties and all of a sudden it starts going down and, I'm sitting there going, if is he's probably not okay being a fighter like a call it like a Joel Romero that I'm going to continue to fight until I can't fight anymore, knowing that I'm only going to be number seven or eight in rankings, but I'm still going to take a paycheck. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, he, he, you're right. He, he has a uh, some sort of reminder or something as whenever he hasn't been trending on Twitter for at least a month, he has to insert himself yeah. back in there. There's something to that, I think. So he, he's watching the, uh, the the GQ analytics there or whatever his uh, GQ quotient is to kind of see. And, what, it, and more power to news. him. Like, I get it. Like, your star brand, you're pushing it. Like, no one's going to give two shits about you when you're 40. I I'll totally understand. And more power to the guy for doing that. But at the same time, I'm sitting there, why are you trying to do these gimmicky fights that, you know, like either you want to fight or you don't, I guess. And I think it's weighing on me that this guy doesn't want to get back in the UFC ring. He's uh, he's taken, you know, like him fighting Donald Cerrone. I'm like, why are you fighting Donald Cerrone? <laughs> you know, yeah. like Donald Cerrone is just like a, you know, he, he's a tough dude. I wouldn't want to get in the ring with him by any means, but he was not on the level of, uh, you know, McGregor at yeah. that point. So yeah, it's and, like, and speaking you're of just Cerrone, taking a paycheck. Yeah. He, he just fought again, I think two weeks ago, one of the UFC oh fight my nights gosh, and yeah. fought to a draw. I think it, it was kind of a, an interesting uh, decision. There was a split draw as to how, how it kind of panned out, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think I've had a, had my full or fill of uh, uh, McGregor at this point. And like I said, he's made a bunch of money and you know, part of it too, is that, you know, I know he's had a lot of legal troubles as well. And so how much of that Tons. money has been extracted from him by his own stupidity and having to pay off folks, uh, whether it be, for damages or or you know keeping people quiet through some of the other yeah. you know stuff he's had he, he gen- and whatnot yeah, yeah. genuinely seems uh, uh to you know his mental state uh, i think is uh brought into question from time to time you, know, <laughs> you get goes hit for these, a living i mean yeah, it's yeah. gonna go quick it goes through these manic <laughs> periods to a certain degree and again i'm not a doctor yeah. for sure but yeah you have to question the guys like like i said if he's been out of the news uh for for longer than, than a month or two he, he finds a way to do something crazy to insert himself back into the limelight and to have people talk about about him, but uh, no, I'm I'm with you. And the same, you know, Pacquiao for you know seems to be a genuinely good dude. You know, he's a good interview now, and yeah. uh, you know, all of his post fights, and, and he he's kind of become a more marketable uh, a guy in the states for sure. O- obviously, always been a super marketable guy in, in the Filipino market where he's from. I think he got ran yeah. for senator or something, right? He's he's a politician over there as well, and so they absolutely love him. But you know, has become a more marketable guy in the U.S. over the last few years, and seems to be kind of a, a lovable character and uh, to to a certain extent for sure. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, both these guys, you know, why why do it? I understand the money side of it, but um, do they do they really need the money at this point? So it's uh, yeah seems questionable for sure. But we'll we'll see if that that gets finalized and they're able to pull it off by the end of the year. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I'll, I don't know if I'll rent the pay-per-view, but I'll certainly be following the uh, the results for sure. But uh, um, just from a, a gambling perspective and from a, a I guess, interest perspective as well. But, well, well, Chad, let's get into some picks this week, man. So, again, we talked a little bit about NBA. We talked a little bit about Major League Baseball and our picks there. So, so as always, we'll focus in on some football picks this week. Uh, you know, NFL, college football action again. Some big games in college football for sure, uh, and, and some big games in the NFL as well. And so, uh, let, let's kind of roll through some of these lines here, Bud. But we got got to start it off on Thursday night football. And man, you want to talk about a turd sandwich that uh, <laughs> Thursday night football has has given us? But it's the Denver Broncos at the New York Jets. Broncos actually the favorite in this one, minus two and a half yeah. is what I. Saw on the line totals forty again. Vegas doesn't expect a whole lot of points in this one, and I don't either. But you know, your, your thoughts on, on this uh, this turd of a game uh, tomorrow night, bud? Well, I think you know from the start of the year, I think we were we weren't down on the Jets enough. You know, that <laughs> yeah, should have been the one that we both picked the under on the wins because they look terrible. I I have no doubts that Adam Gase may get relieved of his duties after this game. Um, I I tend to look at just the talent, you know, between these these teams. I mean, I think I think the Jets starting running backs Frank Gore, if I'm not mistaken. It is, yeah, it's yeah. Just Le'Veon Bell hurt. Like, yeah, Levar yeah, uh, Le'Veon Bell's hurt and all this good stuff. I mean, the Jets have just been absolutely terrible. I hope they do right by Sam Denarl and trade him away because I think he needs to be in a better situation. We can all say out of those, you know, four or five quarterbacks that went in the first round, uh, I outside of Rosen, he might be the one that had the worst situation to walk into. Um, I take the Broncos here minus the two and a half points, even though they're, they're going to be starting ripping uh, from Boise state, I believe. Yeah. It was a, it was a good player in college at Boise yeah, state. He well. was, yeah, he was, he yeah, was, he was yeah. a great player. And it's, I think there's just more assets on both sides of the ball for the Broncos. And I think they'll figure out how to get it done. I do think it's low scoring. I think it's like a 17 to seven type game. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm sure the uh, the ratings on this one will not be great from, oh. from a Thursday night perspective. And, oh. and, you, and you mentioned Sam Darnold again. Bless his heart, man. He he he. It's just been snake bit since he got drafted uh, by the Jets. But even his favorite target, you know, Jamison Crowder's been out with a hamstring yep. injury, and I think he's questionable for on a short week to even come back and play tomorrow night as well. And it's like, well, you know, who who's he going to hand the ball off to? Yeah. Who's he going to throw the ball to? Right. So they yeah, uh, they didn't resign Robbie Anderson. Yeah. They let him go to the Panthers. It's just like, what are you doing over there? Yeah. You know, you let Jamal out of or yeah, Jamal Adams go. Yeah, um, Seahawks. Yeah. yeah, Seahawks. And I'm like, what? what is, what's the goal here? Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. There have been rumblings and reports that uh, this this game, uh, it's a must win for Gase. And if he loses, uh, given that they would have a couple extra days, you know, on a Thursday night that uh, he, yeah. he may be out, they bring in an interim coach and uh, give him a couple extra days to get ready for the next game. So it'd be interesting to see uh, for sure, but I probably won't be watching that game Thursday night. No, but, I get you. Well, well, let's jump to Saturday, Chad, and some of the big college games. And we got to start with my Sooners. Again, uh, an absolute yeah. collapse in the fourth quarter this weekend against K-State. K-State makes it two years in a row uh, that they win a close game uh, uh, over OU. The first three and a half quarters, OU looked good. Uh, and and then, again, the wheels just fell off. And, the you know, I think a lot of people want to point to the defense saying, ah, oh, the defense still sucks. But the offense didn't help them out. You know, a lot of picks, no. turnovers, um, a blocked punt that led to a K-State touchdown, I think, late in the third quarter. Is it either late in the third or yep. early in the fourth? It was a collapse on all three phases uh, for sure. Now, I mean, it gets tougher. They have to travel up to Ames, Iowa, and take on Iowa State and Brock Purdy. They came off a, a close win uh, against TCU, Over TCU in Fort Worth, yeah. uh, the big big shootout there. But this Iowa State team, you know, I think Matt Campbell's a hell of a coach up there. And, and I'll be honest with you, Chad, they beat me to the punch. I, I obviously picked OU to win this past week against K-State. Yeah. I was going to pick Iowa State in the upset this weekend yeah. regardless, and I think I'm still going to go with them, man. I think the Sooners are staring one and three in the face, man. And so uh, give me Iowa State plus the six and a half. The total on this one's 62 and a half. Uh, but your, your thoughts on OU and Iowa State Saturday? Yeah, I, you know, Iowa State actually came into the Big 12 thinking they were going to contend for second, third, or fourth in the Big 12. You know, you had the Big 3 with OSU, OU, and Texas there. Uh, but they finally thought Iowa State was going to crack in, and then Iowa State lays an egg in the first game of the year. Uh, they bounced back a little bit against TCU. I expect, expected them to win by a little bit more with a veteran-led team, but it, it was what it was. I don't know. I I I tend to think I I don't bet against back to back losses in Lincoln Riley. I think he's you know against the spread. I think he's probably you know five and zero or six and zero um, again on on games after a loss at this point. But I expect they'll have something to prove, um, and it'll it, it depends on the makeup of that young team. I mean, all the weapons are young at that. You know, Mims and and Rattler. They they seem to be getting in a a great rapport together. But at the same time, like you said it wasn't all on the defense. Like, yeah, those defensive backs blew some coverage, but the offense going three and out a couple times, getting sacked. I mean, there was a couple times Rattler he should have thrown it away when he uh, he didn't throw it away. And there was a couple times that he put him in bad situations of either a sack or, you know, hey, just trying to make too much out of nothing. But the kid throws a beautiful ball. Um, I would expect them to bounce back here. Uh, six and a half is scary. They got to win by a touchdown, but I, I'm still going to go OU on this one, um, even though they hurt me last week. Yeah, and you're right. That that is the one thing that OU and Lincoln Riley have going for them is that he he has been incredible after a loss. Right? They they've got they've righted the ship. They they've got things in order, and uh, and that even goes back to the Stoops era. And a lot of yeah. people you know harp, would harp on Stoops. You know, you think about you know those games that they may have lost against Matt Brown, Matt Brown and UT, and then they'd always kind of bounce back and win the games after that and kind of go on a run. And so we'll we'll see if this OU team uh, can do it this year. But I think you pointed it out, man. They're they're so young at so many key positions, and the thing that really stood out to me on that game Saturday, Chad, was how poor OU's offensive line was, right? That was going yeah. to be the strong point, right? Hey, all five guys are coming back. Creed, Humphrey, com, Creed yeah. Humphrey's an All-American, which he got hurt. You know, he came out for a couple of series and they had a knee injury there. But yeah. Kansas State was consistently getting pressure with just rushing their front four. And, and that that's spooky, I, I think. And that, that's something that It is. You know, I mean, when you're talking jail. about an OU team that yeah. for the past five years has been the best offensive line in college football, it's terrifying because you've got to protect your quarterback at that end, that's what the offense is built around. 
Yep, yep, yeah. A guy, you know, you don't have Jalen Hurts back there who, who's more of a, no. you know, a runner, and, and maybe that masked some of the inefficiencies or, or, or issues with the offensive line last year because uh, of the offensive play calling that, uh, that, you know, because of Jalen Hurts back there being a battering ram to a certain degree. But, uh, yeah, that, that was that was the thing that jumped out to me. It was kind of spooky. But let, let's talk about your team, Chad. So Texas Longhorns, again, they escaped the upset, winning overtime, a, a, a big-time West Texas shootout against uh, Texas Tech this past weekend. Another Texas shootout here. You have TCU coming to town. Uh, Texas a 13-point favorite. The total in this one, 61-and-a-half. TCU's kind of had their number over the last few years yeah. off and on, Chad. So I think I think they've won the three out of the last four or something I saw in a stat, so which was kind of shocking to me. But um, do your horns kind of get you – know, they, do they right the ship, even though they, they avoided the loss? But, you know, uh, Gary Patterson, kind of, a, kind of a spooky team coming to town for sure. Yeah. Your, your thoughts on this one? I think, you know, in watching this team the past two or three years, especially being led by Ellinger uh, and when he came into fruition, the the main complaint I have against Texas is, you know, last year they looked good against LSU. They played LSU tougher than anybody played LSU. They ended up losing by six or seven. I can't remember what it was, but it came down to a late, um, you know, missed assignment on defense and LSU got a, a junk touchdown there at the end that put them up by 14 or something, and Texas came back, scored a final one, but it, it was a moot point, so to speak. So they played the tough teams really well, but they always have these brain farts against teams that they should just wipe the floor with. And it's it, it, that's the the mark of an inconsistent or an immature team is you play down to their level. And from what we're seeing in the Big 12, whenever you're getting double-digit points, it doesn't matter how big of an underdog you are, take the points. Um, you know, these defenses are just terrible. I mean, I'm, there's, there's, there's no lack of a better term. I mean, they're terrible. Um, whether you're talking about OU Texas, you know, gone are the days of Venables back there, Manny Diaz at Texas or anything like that, or, you know, Will Muschamp back there. Like it's, it, they're all head coaches elsewhere. Um, I, I really think that this is going to be another close game. Um, I sit there and go, you know, a, a good win for Texas is winning by double digits, 10 points. But I think it's going to come down to last possession again, just like the Texas Tech one. They yep. were lucky to get out of there with a win. Yep, I, I agree. I, I like TCU to cover here, but I like Texas to win. And, and really, it boils down to Sam Ellinger, right? Yeah. We, we talked about it in our preseason picks. You know, we, I think we, we both uh, uh, had Texas to win the conference. And my my main reason was Sam Ellinger. I, I think he's yeah. a he's that type of player that that has that much of an impact and that much of an influence uh, on the rest of the team. And and we saw it, you know, against Texas Tech. He he willed that team to victory. He would not let yeah. them lose. They were down what thirteen with three and a half 15. minutes to go. Yeah, 15, fifteen with three and a half minutes to go. Three three minutes to go. And, and the onside kick was obviously huge, right? So that that was yeah. a big part of it. And you got to give the special teams credit for for executing on that play, but. Once they got the onside kick, I'm sitting there watching that game thinking Texas is going to come back and win this game. Yeah, uh, and, and they did. And they did. And, and again, I think uh, uh, all credit to Ellinger. I think he's going to be one of those players that drags a long – a young, inconsistent uh, team that, that, again, probably mask some some real deficiencies yeah, uh, yeah. That, that Texas has throughout the rest of the squad. But I think he's going to be able to overcome that because he's that quality of a player, uh, and he'll will them to victory in a close game this weekend. I'm, I'm with you on that one. But uh, staying in the state of Texas, Chad, um, SMU hosting Memphis this weekend. Memphis, a um, uh, three-point favorite. The total on this one, a lot of points here, 74 oh. and a half. And that's one of the reasons why I put it on here is I, I think this, yeah. this might be a 95 and a half may not be enough points here this may be a race i, I was to gonna say this is this yeah. has half a hundred at halftime written all over it yeah but your, your um, thoughts on this one bud yeah i i like memphis here i like it in a shootout and i'm, I'm with you i like a 62 55 type game yeah and, <laughs> and, and i just these, think it's gonna be you know throwing the ball all over the court and it's just it's gonna be a massacre yeah and smu's offense and again we had a level of competition they've looked really impressive you know, both running and throwing this year so yeah. and again they haven't played anybody yet uh you know you know memphis uh they had the big uh, big game on opening weekend labor day weekend they were kind of the premier game against arkansas state in, in which you know i think a lot of sharps were, were picking arkansas state to maybe covering yeah. that one and Memphis looked really really impressive and then you know Memphis has been affected by some COVID issues you know since then and so we haven't got to see a whole lot of them since then and that's the thing that makes this game 
somewhat intriguing, intriguing yeah. is that SMU has been able to play and we've, we've got a lot of film on them, whereas Memphis, we don't, but um, you know, I think Memphis is the more talented team for sure from top to bottom. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I lean towards the over in this game just because yeah. 74 and a half is a I lot of points, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I, I think, I think this is going to be a high scoring affair and, and looking forward to that one Saturday afternoon. But uh, we talked about two big games in the SEC, Chad. So we got to make picks on these Texas A&M looked Terrible in week one. They narrowly Horrible. avoided an upset Vanderbilt against the yeah, hapless Vanderbilt team, 17-12. to 12. They, they squeak out the win at home in College Station. They're a 16-point underdog on the road at Alabama. Alabama looked really good. The final score in that one wasn't indicative. I think that was 38-19, but Missouri tacked on a couple of scores late to make that game look better. But Alabama was in cruise control uh, into the second they were, half. They were. They, yeah, they had Najee Harris going. They had Mac Jones behind, you know, getting it to teach. To, to waddle and all that like they look like a typical Alabama team I think you know at, at some point I I, I kind of figure um, you know that they're not gonna show off all their tricks in the first week and you know it's hey you're going to Memphis or Missouri excuse me they went to Missouri and it's weird right now it's their first game I'll give them a pass that they didn't cover I like Alabama big here um, I think I think this might be the final year uh, for Jimbo Fisher in College Station. He is, he hasn't done well. I think his best year is probably eight and five, um, in some respect. But I think the the people down in College Station are getting restless. I agree. I mean, and that that opening weekend against Bandy did nothing uh, to to quell no. uh, some of the uh, the calls for for his his head uh, because I mean again they have all the money in the world they have tremendous talent uh, you know why why have they not kind of been able to break out and, and again that SEC West is is arguably tough. the toughest division in college football it has been for the last few years at least and so you know this was kind of a year that I think a lot of people pointed towards you know the schedule even after the schedule kind yeah. of got redid for the SEC and kind of the COVID issue that kind of pointed to it saying, hey, look, man, if we can get past a couple games here, this is we've got a chance to do something here. Um, and, the line, and that's a kind of weird thing, right? Is, yeah, you know, yeah. you got Kellen Mond coming back for his third year. Like, that should be a solidified quarterback position to where I look at kind of they're playing Kellen Mond because they don't got anybody else. Yeah, Like, they uh, haven't got a big quarterback recruit like a Rattler um, or anything like that. And I'm like, why, why not? Like, Jimbo Fisher – traditionally has pretty good quarterbacks and yep. he puts them in the NFL. Like why hasn't a big time recruit come there? No, I agree. I, I think it's a valid question as to, as to why have they not been able to, to recruit and develop QB talent there. But I'll tell you, Chet, the line looks fishy to me after, after those first, yeah. after what A&M did last week, after how good Alabama looked, I thought that this might be closer to 20 and, and again, maybe maybe Jimbo's playing possum on us, man. So maybe yeah. he didn't show all of his cards in Week One against a Vandy team that they you know probably could have ran you know thirty two belly option you know forty five times and still found a way to win that game. And so you know was he was he playing the cards close? You know I, I'm not sure. I like A and M to cover here, but I like Alabama to win by maybe ten points. You know maybe maybe A and M gotcha. gets the greasy yeah. backdoor cover here when it's all said and done. But I I think the defenses will show up here, and I might lean towards the under. Even though fifty-two and a half isn't a lot of points from a college standpoint, but but I, I think A and M will try to shorten the game uh, yeah. to to give themselves a chance to win uh, on the road. And so I, I lean A and M in the under here, but maybe the greasy backdoor covers in play. Well, we're going over to the East, SEC East, Chad, the big game there. Yep. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, who didn't look great in week one either, they host uh, traditional rival Auburn. Auburn yep. getting six and a half points, the total here 45, so expecting a defensive battle here. But your thoughts on this big SEC matchup here, Chad, Auburn and Georgia. Yeah, and I expected a little bit more out of Auburn with Bo Nix coming out playing Kentucky. They ended up covering, so I can't I can't argue about it too much. Uh, George is the interesting thing. I mean, I, I think JT Daniels uh, finally got cleared to play yes, this week. Correct. Are they going to play him, or did they find what they liked in their backup guy? I know they they started that. Uh, I think his name was Washer or whatnot uh, uh, to start wash him. Yeah, Dewan Mathis started, and they brought Mathis, in a walk on yeah. Stetson Bennett, who because he should be on the all name team. It sounds like a cologne. Yeah. I like it. So, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's beautiful, and he he ended up looking great. You know, obviously, I think it was seven to five at halftime. Yeah. Uh, the Arkansas Piggies were getting on them, but you know they they recovered in the third, big third and fourth quarter. But I like Auburn here 
Um, I I know the devil I know with Bo Nix, and I like that. I like that team. I had them from the beginning, so I like Auburn. Yeah, I'm. I the the question marks for Georgia's offense, uh, regardless of who played quarterback. They like I said, Bennett kind of gave them a lift, and 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 was a only guy that really showed an ability to throw the ball downfield. And so, yeah, you know, and J T. Daniels not getting cleared medically to play until just now. I mean, I think it was yesterday he got cleared. Yeah. and uh, that that kind of spooks me a little bit, man. It's like I, I know ACL <laughs> injury. Hey, that's a big deal, but you know that happened over a year ago and they're still you know the question marks are there as to the stability in the knee and then the mental side of it too for those guys coming back from one of those devastating knee injuries you know it takes a little bit of time to kind of trust your trust the doctors trust your your body that it's going to react the way that you think it's going to and And now you're going to be thrown into a huge game of auburn georgia yeah absolutely (laughs) okay absolutely welcome back uh kind of kind of not the game you want to restart your career uh for sure you'd like to have been able to ease into it but i'm I'm with you I, i i like auburn and and I, I think, you know, a lot of people liked Kentucky last week to kind of go down, not yeah. just cover the spread at Auburn, but to win that game straight up. And so, you know, Auburn kind of pulls away late, uh, ends up uh, covering it. As you said, I think it's 29-13 was the final yep. there. And so, you know, I, I think when it's all said and done, we'll look back on that game. And, and that might be – that might, that game might look like a better win than what it looked like even on Saturday. Because I think Kentucky yeah. – I think they are pretty good. And, and uh, I think they'll, they'll surprise a few teams uh, along the way for sure. But, yeah, excited for that one. But – you know, a game that, you know, maybe less exciting, but against the number one yep. team in the country. We have to put them on the board, Chad. But Clemson hosting Virginia. Uh, Virginia getting 28 and a half. Total here, 54 and a half. Virginia looked good uh, in their opening uh, yep. uh, game. Uh, Duke. They're starting a new quarterback there, and uh, and he looked pretty good. Uh, I think Brennan Armstrong's his name. But on the road at Clemson, you know, I, you, you, that's a lot of points, 28 and a half. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the Clemson, I, I'm just not going to mess with them, man. Yeah, I'm not either. They got too many weapons. I think they'll win it. You know, they they didn't impress me in their first win in the season. Um, you know, they left some points on the table, and so I wonder if you're going to have a sneaky backdoor cover like you talk about. You know, at 21 points, at 17 points, but I'm not I'm not taking Virginia. I'll take Clemson minus the 28. Yeah, I, I, I don't mess with Virginia, certainly in ACC play. Maybe when they get up against uh, Notre Dame or North Carolina, there'll be a difference there. But uh, yep. I, I like I like the Tigers in this one. Uh, we'll jump ahead, let's jump ahead to Sunday, Chad. NFL, uh, Cleveland Browns plus four and a half at my Dallas Cowboys. Again, Cowboys find a way to, to lose a high-scoring game uh, yet again on Sunday against the Seahawks, which, again, I had the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, so not, not, not totally shocking from that standpoint. But uh, coming back home, you got to think the Cowboys right the ship here, I, I hope at least. But uh, four-and-a-half-point favorite, your thoughts on – on Cleveland and Dallas on Sunday. Yeah, four and a half's a lot to give up in a situation like that. Obviously, you know, the Browns just getting over 500 uh, for the first time since 2014. I saw that stat. But, That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. But, I mean, I, I still think, you know, if, if talent-wise, I think they're about even if you, mar- if you put everything up. Um, I expect this to be more like a three-point game. I actually – I'm probably going to take Cleveland on this and getting four and a half in the hook because I think it will be a three or four point game. Yeah, I, I, the Cowboys offense has looked really, really good. The defense has looked mm-hmm. really, really bad. I think that secondary yep. is not very good. I think the linebackers have had injuries, and, and they're. I think the defensive line has some talent, and so they can rush the passer a little bit. But I think it all boils down to the run game, as you mentioned. You know, Cleveland. Yep. You know, they had a terrible showing in Week One. They come back and win to their last two games. But I think it's been because Baker's been turning around, and handing the ball off to uh, to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And so if Cleveland yep. can run the ball, I think Dallas is in trouble. Uh, for sure, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I lean towards the over on this one, Chad. I know 55 is a lot in the yeah. NFL, but I, I don't I don't trust either defense right now, and I think both offenses <laughs> yeah. can score points. So that's my pick here. But, well, a, a couple of maybe unsuspecting or, or unexpected three and O teams here, Chad. But uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tennessee Titans. Steelers were at yep. one point. This is almost a pickle. It depends upon what where, what book you're looking yep. at, what the line is there. But total 47. 3-0, and 3-0, and Steelers and Titans. Who do you like in this one, Chad? Yeah, so I think all three weeks, uh, Stephen Kuskowski with the Titans has kicked a game-winning field goal after going 0-3 and 0-1 and on uh, extra points there to start the year. Yeah, I think the stat uh, was that they're 3-0, and but they're 0-3 against the spread. So they, <laughs> they are. haven't covered pretty yet. bad. I actually like the Steelers here. I think they, they do have a lot of talent. I don't have the Steelers up at the top echelon of the AFC that a lot of people have, but I think the Steelers get a win here. Okay, I, I like that pick too. Again, I think the Titans have been doing it by smoking mirrors to a certain degree. Yep. And you know, they 
people felt that way about them towards the in the playoff run last year totally. as well. It's like, how the hell is this team winning, right? So they're not super yeah. sexy. And Ryan Tannehill, I thought he sucked, right? But he's <laughs> he's kind of reinvigorated his career, man. He, he's played yeah. really well. And, and again, they're, they're scoring some points as well. But I, I think it catches up to him. I, I like the Steelers in this one as well. I, I like Big Ben. I like their offense. I like the wide receivers that he has at his disposal yep. as well. So I, I think uh, I think I lean Steelers here as well. But, well, other end of the spectrum, Chad, Maybe two surprising 0-3 teams. I know I had the Vikings as my preseason pick to win the NFC yeah. North. A lot of people had the Texans to win the AFC South, but both teams 0-3, Vikings plus 3.5 at Houston. Uh, your thoughts on Vikes and Texans? I like getting the hook here. Uh, Texans haven't shown anything to me that makes me want to bet on them at all. Um, Vikings, they've at least got an offense. You know, you've got Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson uh, kind of emerging as a wide receiver on there, and I think – I think with timing, I think Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Just, Justin Jefferson are going to be a a scary tandem at that point. And I think they've under I think they've underplayed, um, you know. So I I like getting the hook. I think Texans might win, but I think it comes down to a field goal, and I like getting the half point there. Yeah, my my goodness, the Texans' opening schedule, Chad. I mean, they start with the Chiefs, oh, then they start with the Ravens, and then they Ravens. have to go on the road to the Steelers this Steelers. week, and then opening up against the Vikings, which I think most people would not have expected the Vikings to be 0-3 no. coming into this game. And so, man, the schedule makers are not doing them any favors whatsoever. No. And so um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is a field goal game. I'm not sure who, who wins, but I think it's going to be close. And so if you're getting the hook with the Vikings, I think that that's a good pick uh, just yeah. because I don't I don't trust either team. And so it may come down to who yeah. has the ball last. So Totally. Uh, well, big game uh, on, on Sunday afternoon in the AFC, Chad. The New England Patriots plus six and a half at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs look great on Monday night against the Ravens. That was the big game uh, from, from week three's perspective. But uh, uh, your, your thoughts on this big AFC matchup, Pat, Pats and Chiefs. Uh, total here, 53 yeah. and a half. It's a, it's a tough one. You know, you usually don't want to give Belichick that many points because he's going to try and shut down what you do best. The problem is the Chiefs can do a lot of different things. You think about how many weapons they have on offense. I just sit there and go, what defense has the ability to match them? You know, whether you're going Travis Kelsey, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill, you go Merkel Hardiman, um, you go Sammy Watkins, you come in the backfield and go uh, – Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like, where do you stop? And then you've got what I would think is the greatest signal caller right now in the NFL throwing the ball to him. And I just sit there and go, like, I, I don't care who you've got. I'll I'll take KC. I, I I would normally agree with you, but th- I thought this line looked kind of fishy to me, Chad. So I, yeah, I don't I it don't, is. I kind of thought that, you know, the Chiefs would be more than a touchdown favorite here just based upon how well they looked against the Ravens, which I think most most people have the Chiefs and the Ravens as the two best teams. Yep. And, and I think we talked about it last week, you know, coming away from that Pats and Seahawks game is that you know, the Seahawks won, but I came away maybe more impressed with the Patriots. And so totally. uh, Patriots had a big win against the Raiders at home uh, this past weekend, and they looked really good. And so, again, I think this is a close game. Not saying that the Chiefs don't find a way to pull it out. You know, Harrison Butker kicking a 78-yard yep. field goal or something as time expires. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. But I like the Pats and the points here uh, just because of the Belichick factor. And, and, again, I think you'll find a way to keep this game close and keep the Pats in it in the fourth quarter. So, gotcha. Um, Bills and Raiders again, two teams that are maybe maybe a little bit better than what we thought. I'm not sure. The Bills three and zero. I mean, a lot of people had them. They were the sexy pick to win the AFC East. Now that uh, Tom Brady has moved on from from New England, yep. but um, at the Raiders in that new uh, uh, stadium in Las Vegas, total here fifty two and a half. But uh, your thoughts on Bills and Raiders, Jed? So this line looked kind of fishy to me too. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've got the Bills that were just at home that just gave up a twenty eight to three lead. All of a sudden, they have to get a phantom pass interference call to end up covering and win the game at the end there. Now you've got them coming out of Buffalo, flying all the way to Las Vegas. Las Vegas has shown they can play pretty well by beating the Saints in their home stadium. I like the Raiders to bounce back here. I take the Raiders in the points, um, and a letdown finally comes for the Bills. Yep, I'm with you. I, that's the reason why I put this game on the board is that I thought the line looked kind of funny to me as well. I, I think I think the football gods have a way of balancing things out, and I, I'm with you. The Bills – I don't think they're they should be a team that's going to be four and zero. I think I think three and one is that maybe that's about right. And so maybe they 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 won a game that they shouldn't have, and then maybe along the way they lose one that they arguably shouldn't have. And so I'm with yeah. you. I, I like the Raiders in this one, but 
Uh, talking about poop fectas and, and just turd sandwiches, Chad, the, 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 the Sunday night game on NBC, uh, we have the Philadelphia Eagles getting six and a half points, uh, heading out west to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Total here 45, so they're expecting low scoring. But uh, two teams that have really stumbled out of the gate, and I think we've talked about the 49ers being snake bit with injuries and kind of having that Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl loser hangover that we've seen so often. But yep. uh, Eagles get a tie against the, uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, this past Sunday as well. But uh, uh, your thoughts on Eagles and Niners on Sunday night? Man, do the Eagles know something that we all don't? I mean, on draft night, they come and, you know, second-round pick, hey, they take uh, um, our guy, yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts and whatnot. And, look, Carson Wentz has not looked good. And outside of, like, his first seven games before he got hurt and they went on that Super Bowl run, he he hasn't looked good astronomical or worthy of a second overall pick. You know, I actually thought he was better than Jared Goff coming out. Now, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and oh, Goff was the right pick um, at that when they went 1-2. And now I'm sitting there going, man, Carson Wentz should be playing a lot better. He should be playing like a Josh Allen-type mold, uh, being able to throw the ball downfield, push it. He's just – he seems unsure of himself. Um, and I don't know – you know, we've always talked about um, him being – kind of a, a cog in the locker room, so to speak, that he uh, he might cause a lot of issues. There's not a whole lot of uh, teammates that back him as it is. You know, they, they actually wanted to see Nick Foles kind of take over that starting job back in the day. Um, I, I'm just sitting here going, God, you got to give up seven points, though, with the 49ers, and I think it's probably Nick Mullins that's going to start again, although he led I, – I think he was a top-five passer last week. Yep. I think he threw for almost 340 yards. Um, very capable backup for sure. Yeah. Very capable the, yeah. backup. I don't know how you pick the Eagles in any, in any situation right now, just as bad as they are playing. So I'm going to take the 49ers. Um, I'm actually going to, I know it's a low over and under 45, but I'm actually going to go under here. Yeah, I'm with you. Again, another line that kind of looks fishy to me, and maybe this is one of those games that's just ripe for a teaser, right? So you get that six yeah. and a half, you get the hook, and, and maybe maybe tease this down and take the Niners. But, you know, on preseason vibe alone, you know, maybe th- this – you know, the 49ers shouldn't be giving up this many points. And so no. again, kind of a kind of a line that would be a three point sheet. game. Yeah. 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 And so I'm 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 interested to see how this one plays out. Again, both teams have, have kind of stumbled out of the gate, but I think it's an interesting matchup. And again, if the Eagles lose and they drop to 0-3 and one, I mean they're not out of it because the NFC East is awful, yeah. right? So that's the only you know, thing that gives gives me a hope as a Cowboys fan. It's like, oh one and two, we're tied <laughs> for first right now. So we're not we're not yeah. out of anything. But uh, so they're not out of it yet. But the I think the heat uh, starts uh, uh cranking up on uh, on 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 Peterson on there, Peterson. the head, head yeah, coach. Yeah, Peterson they, and Wentz, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. But, um, you know, game Monday Night Football, again, my my, my our, our Falcons pick, I guess, I think you and I both like them to kind of uh, be a surprise team and cover that yeah. the seven wins oh. or seven and a half on the futures. And they can't get out of their own way, Chad. They can, no, already, they they can easily be 3-0, and oh, and yet they're 0-3, oh traveling to take on the red-hot Green Bay Packers. And, and Aaron Rodgers just has a vendetta, uh, I think, against the entire he league does. right now. He's looked incredible. Falcons getting seven points in this one on Monday Night Football. Football, total 58. And again, that's probably about right. You would expect a lot of points to be scored in this one for sure. But your, your thoughts yeah. on Monday Night Football, Chad? I'm, I'm with you. The Falcons, I mean, they have every weapon in the book. I mean, Calvin Ridley, I think, second in the NFL right now in wide receivers' yards. He's not even the best wide receiver on his own team. Matt Ryan, a former MVP. Um, ever since they lost the Super Bowl, man, this team hasn't looked right. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing um, – Dan Quinn's name start. I, you know, I don't know who it's going to be. It's either going to be Dan Quinn or, uh, I don't know. So someone else that's going to get fired on the sidelines, uh, you know, Adam Gase, uh, by week four, week five. Yep, I'm with you. I mean, I, again, that's the only reason I kind of lean towards the Falcons here, just because I think it will yeah. be a shootout. And again, I mean, you know, like you said, the football gods have a way of yep. evening things out. And yep. this is just one of those lines. Like I looked last week at when, um, Oh, it was the Packers-Saints. It was a Sunday night game. And the Packers were getting three and a half, and I'm like, why? Yep. You know, I also looked at, you know, Chiefs-Ravens, and I'm like, if you're going to give me the Chiefs and three and a half points, I'm going to bet it. Um, I, you know, it just is what it is. I guess. Yeah, but I think the greasy backdoor covers in play here as well, but just because the Falcons do have an ability to put up points, and so I could see them maybe sneaking in the back door here. Maybe they're down, you know, thirty-eight to uh, to to twenty-seven, 
and they get a meaningless touchdown at the end to kind of cover this one as well. But, uh, again, a lot of points in this one, I think, is, is the expectation. But, yeah, I mean, the desperation factor has to be there. If the Falcons drop to 0-4, I think I think Quinn may be done uh, this yeah. uh, the, on Tuesday morning, let's say. So, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, Chad, biggest biggest event, gambling event uh, this weekend. Uh, we we got to go to the track, man. We got to talk ponies, yep. bud. And so you and I have a long history and a love of the ponies at Remington Park here in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, having our big soirees out there at the uh, uh, at, at the tracks oh, yeah. and a uh, big soirees. That's that's uh, that's a joke, guys. So, but uh, for our listeners out there, but uh, a big soiree is Chad and I getting together and drinking whiskey and betting on ponies all day. But uh, um, you know, we we obviously have a, a soft spot in our heart for horse racing, and so kind of a weird schedule this year, right? With COVID. We had the Belmont first, Kentucky, Kentucky Derby second last month on Labor Day weekend. And so we, we get to the last race of the Triple Crown this year, and it's the Preakness at Pimlico. Uh, obviously won't have a Triple Crown winner this year, uh, uh, given uh, uh, Authentic's uh, uh, win, I guess, at the uh, the, the Derby uh, last um, uh, week or last month, I should say. But uh, 11 horses in the race, Chad. So any anything jump out to you for some of these lines? The, the po- We've got the posting uh, uh, up now, and so uh, uh, Authentic is the favorite uh, at nine to five, so so almost two to one there. He draws the number nine post, so he's going to have to come from out wide if he's going to win. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on on the uh, the Preakness this weekend and uh, any any picks that stand out to you, bud? Man, I think this is the least exciting Preakness that's ever happened. I think it's the first time in the history of the Preakness that there is not an opportunity for a Triple Crown winner because um, usually it is the second leg. Yeah, yeah there's always the, a chance, right? So, <laughs> so there's always a chance. Um, but out of this, I I personally like Art Collector. Um, he was a big Kentucky Derby favorite. Uh, he, he ended up skipping the Belmont. Um, but I got Art Collector. I got Mr. Big News, New York Traffic, and Authentic. I would throw those into a, a try box, the 3279, and maybe the 10 Cent Superfecta and see what you come out with. Yep, I, I like three of those horses as well, Chad. I, I like Art Collector to win at 5-2. to two. I think you're getting some value there because he did yep. have a good showing at the Derby. Uh, I'm throwing Authentic in there uh, as, as, the, as the show uh, at 9-5, to five. and then B- Mr. Big News as well was my fourth pick at 12-1. to one. But I, a 1,000 words. Uh, it's 6-1. Yeah. to one. I, I think you're getting some value there. Again, another Bob Baffert horse. Uh, he, he draws a good post at number he does 5, well. so he's right <laughs> yeah. in the middle. And so does if he breaks well or, or breaks out of the gate strong, that, that I think he's got a chance to maybe finish in that top three. And so, and then from a best bet, Chad, hey, the, 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 the <laughs> you give, gotta give go me, me Jesus' team at, at, at 30 to one, bud. So, I mean, you, you can't go wrong uh, being on team Jesus here, right? So, the it draws the number six slot. And again, I mean, he I, hung out with the centers, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. so, you, you think about, you know, uh, I think back to uh, uh, the uh, uh, the big Lebowski, right? So, don't, don't yeah. fuck with the Jesus, right? And so, <laughs> Do not. Um, even if you don't win your bet, you know, you're getting 30 to one odds, you're still on team Jesus, and, and you can't go wrong with that, right? So, if you're going to play a long shot, uh, give me Jesus' team there at the number six slot uh, on, on a Saturday afternoon. But you have to tune in, right? So w- whenever uh, the, the Preakness is going on or any of the Triple Crown races, so you know the, one of the most exciting two minutes in sports, right, is, is what they always say. So I'll have to flip over there, maybe put a couple units on Art Collector uh, for our listeners out there. And uh, like I said, play, play the box, exact a trifecta, have some fun with it. Uh, again, only 11, 11 horses in the race, and so you're getting some good odds out there for sure. So. Well, Chad, I think we've just about covered it this week, bud. So we covered our lines, and is obviously all that's left to do now is watch the games, watch the fights, watch the races, and kind of see what happens. And so for our listeners out there, you can follow Chad and the whole Chalk team on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC, or again, follow them on the web at ChalkOKC.com. It would probably be a good uh, Saturday afternoon to head up to Chalk and uh, watch the ponies. I'm sure they'll have that on the TV for the two or three minutes that it's uh, taking place there, and then flip it back over to college football for sure. But, well, Chad, again, always appreciate you joining me brother i look forward to doing it again next week and while this will wrap it up for this episode gang the conversation doesn't end here to keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the sports pros network check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on twitter at sports underscore pros and remember that's pros with an e p-r-o-s-e chad appreciate you brother enjoy the games this weekend don't forget to check your tickets everyone take care and good luck